What's up, everyone? I'm Alex Lieberman, co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew. This is season three of Fresh Invest, your favorite investing podcast sponsored by Fidelity Investments and powered by Morning Brew. This season, we're getting you the answers that can help you build financial confidence during economic uncertainty. Last week, we explored crypto's recent activities in the market and looked at how its adoption and value fluctuations as an asset class are influencing investor sentiment. This week, we'll chat about how it's developing, how businesses are approaching crypto, and how crypto-curious investors can decide if it's a right addition to their portfolio. Plus, we'll explore what all this means for your taxes. I'm excited to welcome Chris Kuyper, Director of Research at Fidelity Digital Assets, to talk through crypto. Let's get into it. Chris, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Alex. Glad to be here. My pleasure. So for those listeners that didn't tune in to last season of Fresh Invest, do you mind just uh, reintroducing yourself? Yeah, sure. My name is Chris Kuyper, Director of Research at Fidelity Digital Assets. Uh, so I help our clients there understand digital assets, how it might fit into their portfolio, some of the different investment thesis, uh, as well as all of the risks. So obviously, crypto has had uh, quite the year. Are you seeing that crypto is susceptible to the same cycles as more traditional assets? And if so, how might that impact the traditional retail investor? Yeah, sure. So it used to be that we could look at, let's say, Bitcoin, for example, and it was not very correlated to traditional financial assets. So correlation metrics, if it, if it has a perfect one, it means it's completely correlated. It moves directly in sync. And a negative one would be zigging the other way, right? And so zero would be completely uh, non-correlated. And, and that's what you want in a portfolio. You want uncorrelated assets. So that's kind of the only free lunch in finance, we like to say. And so Bitcoin used to be fluctuating between 0.2 and negative 0.2. And this was against everything, stocks, bonds, real estate, commodity, even gold. And so you, you had this potential to add something that diversified your portfolio. Now, a year and a half ago, we started to see correlations move up, especially with stocks, especially things like tech stocks. And so you kind of got this narrative that Bitcoin and other digital assets were like a growth stock on steroids. <laughs> they moved uh, even more than stocks did on the way up, and they moved even more than stocks did on the way down. So for example, during the COVID crash, markets went down 30 35%. Crypto like Bitcoin went down 50%. Uh, but then they shot up even more on the way back up, right? And so the big question is, does that correlation continue to stay high? Does it continue to stay correlated to these assets and these cycles like you were talking about? Or does it decouple and do we go back to an uncorrelated asset? Uh, me personally, I, I think we do revert back. It's so different than these other traditional financial instruments. And I think investors will come around to that. Uh, those are the things you need to think about, especially as a retail investor, if you're looking at adding it to your portfolio. So last episode, I spoke to one of your colleagues, uh, Jack Newrider, and one of the things that we spoke about was just like how incredibly complex and quickly evolving crypto is and how it's important for just any investor as they're trying to do research to try to find a niche that they are particularly interested in exploring within crypto so that they don't get so overwhelmed by the sheer amount of noise and content in the space. From your perspective, what are things for new investors in the space to consider? For example, where should they start from an education perspective if they literally have not consumed anything about crypto and they want to start today? Yeah, great question. And it should be something everyone should be considering when they start out. Where do I start, right? A lot of people think crypto broadly. They think of 
whatever headline they saw, or they think of, oh, I got to understand the underlying blockchain technology. Uh, me personally, I've found the best success when I'm talking to people, and I've done this a, a lot of times now, the best success is if people start with Bitcoin. And that's not to say you have to consider only Bitcoin as an investment or anything like that, or it's the only one out there. Uh, but it was first. And in some ways, it's the simplest. Other things have come after Bitcoin and tweaked the technology or done different things to it. Uh, so it really makes sense to understand the underlying technology of Bitcoin first, uh, how it's different, how it's this global payment network, how the token is potentially this world's first non-sovereign, non-bank money that we've ever seen. Uh, and then you can branch out from there and things make a lot more sense. Then more abstract things like blockchain technology make a lot more sense. And when you start from an education perspective that way, that also leads into shaping your investment thesis. So we actually wrote a paper about a year ago now called Bitcoin First, Why Investors Need to Consider Bitcoin Separate from Other Digital Assets. And again, it's not a value statement on Bitcoin being better. Uh, it's just a statement of saying, here's Bitcoin in one camp or bucket, and it does these things. And then everything that has come after it makes sense to put into a different bucket. And those things are a lot more like a venture capital bet or a technology bet. And so they make a lot of trade-offs, good and bad, but they have a lot more competition. Totally. One uh, interesting topic, especially with Bitcoin, but with other cryptocurrencies as well, has been kind of what are the jobs that Bitcoin can or should serve? And, you know, some folks have just said it's a speculative asset that really doesn't do anything but act as a speculative asset right now. Others will say that it's a store of value. Uh, so in inflationary times, it would retain its value. I, you know, there's some questions about if that's the case right now. And then the third is that it can be a medium of exchange. And I would say that's the one where there's been the most critique, especially with Bitcoin over the last few years. For investors who have been holding on to Bitcoin or just any cryptocurrency, and they are trying to decide if they want to kind of turn it into a medium of exchange or actually spend the asset, how should they think about it if it makes sense for them? Yeah, great question. So I'm glad you kind of set it up with Bitcoin based on our my previous comments there. Let's just talk about Bitcoin first. And like you said, there's this idea as Bitcoin is an emerging form of money, an aspirational money, right? And as we know, a couple of the big things that money does is act as a medium of exchange uh, and or a store of value, right? And there's quite a debate within the community even about the theory and history of money. Does it first have to become a medium of exchange and then people will hold it and think it holds value? Or does it first have to become a store of value and then people will want to spend it, right? It's kind of a chicken or egg thing. I myself am in the latter camp. I think as people adopt it and as they hold it to store value over the long term, and again, we're talking years or, or perhaps decades, um, and I think Bitcoin particularly, has this characteristic to fulfill this, this role because there's a hard cap. There's only going to be so much. They can't make more of it. You can be assured in its supply. Uh, so as people adopt it as a store of value, they're not going to want to spend it, right? They're going to want to hold it. If you're buying it as an investment and, and you're anticipating or hoping that it increases in its purchasing power because there's only a limited amount, you're not really going to want to spend it. That doesn't mean to say you can't spend a little bit of it. There's all kinds of major retailers that accept it through different partnerships. Um, you know, Microsoft accepts it, Starbucks accepts it, Home Depot. Uh, there's a company out there called Strike. There's no affiliation or endorsement, but just as an example, they've partnered with National Cash Register, NCR. 
for ways to spend it at your local gas station. So these things are coming. And if people want to spend it, they certainly can. But it gets back to what you think is the use case. And then there's also a lot of different hurdles that we could talk about, too, with spending it in terms of taxes and uh, all kinds of other things as well. We will definitely get to taxes. Uh, I know that is a big, uh, not just debate, but it's, uh, I would say, a point of complexity that a lot of people don't understand uh, how taxation works with uh, holding crypto. But let's talk about, for a second, financial planning overall. How should investors be thinking about crypto when it comes to their overall financial picture and how they financial plan in general? Yeah, so great question. So we've done a lot of research work on this in terms of where does Bitcoin and other digital assets potentially fit in a portfolio? Does it fit at all? And if you look at the historical record of it, you could best sum it up as a little goes a long way. So even just you know a few percentage points can give a portfolio potentially a, a lot of return without taking on too much risk. But the more that goes into the portfolio, the risk goes up exponentially. You get a lot more volatility, uh, a lot more swings in your portfolio. And again, that's just looking at the historical data, no indication that that past could continue in the future. But again, it should be considered a high risk, high volatile investment, but with a potential high reward. And there's that asymmetric part of it, right? I mean, if you just held something like Bitcoin, the most it can go down is 100%. But of course, it can perform much higher than that, as we've seen in the past. Now, how to think about it in your portfolio, some of it goes back to that correlation we talked about. But I like to bring it back, especially for Bitcoin, in terms of how is it different right, than the other stuff in your portfolio. And if you think of Bitcoin in terms of this potential monetary asset, and we think it makes sense to think of it as a monetary good, it has this very credible hard cap of $21 million. And so... If you look at it against all the other currencies of the world, and we're currently seeing you know, a lot of news headlines right now hitting with Bank of England intervening and, and other agencies and central banks calling on, on other central banks to print more money, it's potentially a hedge against this currency debasement, right? And, and that's different than the inflation argument. You know, We don't argue that it's directly a, a hedge against inflation, but it's a hedge against this potential currency debasement that's going on and Um, you know, could happen again in another wave when we get the next crisis or the next downturn or the next recession. And so that's, that's where I think it matters as a asset that has no counterparty risk. And it's not concurrently someone else's liability. Very few to none financial assets have that characteristic. And it's something that investors may uh, rediscover again in the future if if things get a little crazy. Yeah, so you alluded to the craziness. uh, So let's talk about it. As of recording this podcast, Bitcoin specifically, and I would say generally the crypto market, using Bitcoin as the example again, is down roughly 58% year to date, hovering somewhere you know with a 19 handle, 19,000 something uh, per Bitcoin. How should crypto holders be thinking about all of this volatility and also the possibility of future government regulation when it comes to tax season and thinking about crypto or Bitcoin as a taxable asset? Yeah, so we have gotten a little bit of guidance and clarity on the tax situation, at least in the US. Now, I'm in finance. All my friends think I can do their taxes for them. I'll be the first to say I know very little of taxes. So nothing I say here should be construed as tax advice. But I can tell you that if you open up your 1040 and you're going to do your taxes, the very first question right after you fill out your name, your address, and your social security number is, 
did you transact in cryptocurrencies this tax year? Uh, the IRS added that one or two tax seasons ago. Uh, and if you do it on TurboTax or whatever, you're going to get asked that question as well. So the bottom line is it's treated like property, like a share of stock. So if you buy a share of Apple, you don't necessarily have to report that you bought a share of Apple, but you do need to report when you sell it or transfer it or dispose of it. And uh, digital assets are no different. So if I buy Bitcoin, I don't necessarily have to do anything in terms of taxes. But as soon as I sell it, I trade it, I swap it for another asset, or I buy a good, even like a cup of coffee with it, all of those things are technically a taxable event. And so you'd have to calculate your cost basis, basically how much you paid for it versus how much you sold it for or what the price was when you bought that cup of coffee. And you'd have to figure out whether you had a long-term or short-term gain or loss. That's where it stands today. Of course, we'd love even more clarity around this and we're hoping to get more clarity around it. But then in terms of, of the regulation side, that's also where we have even less clarity, right? In terms of what's securities and what's not. Uh, and so we're still waiting on that. I think it will come. But overall, I like to just remind people as negative as it can seem or, or as big of a risk as regulation can seem, take a step back and just think about the fact that we are talking about regulation. And so if this whole thing were what some people still think is a big Ponzi scheme, there's nothing here, crypto is not here to stay. If that were true, if it were all a house of cards, there'd be nothing to regulate, right? Regulators wouldn't care. It would go away. Uh, but the fact that it keeps coming up and we have multiple bills uh, being worked on, you know, one of them is for a de minimis amount. So if you buy a cup of coffee, you know, a certain transaction under a few hundred dollars, you don't have to calculate your taxes. You know, that's in the works. It's not law yet. So don't think that's a law yet. But the fact that we're talking about all this means that to me, it's here to stay. Lawmakers are talking about it. They're talking about regulation. There's obviously something of value to regulate. And so hopefully we'll get more clarity. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll continue to, to just watch and, and wait. And we spoke about this last episode, but I would say generally, you know, people get afraid of this word regulation. Like they fear that it's going to create some huge issue for crypto. But as we discussed, like, I think it's generally a net good because it gives people a sense of like rules and guardrails by which they can operate. And so a lot of whether it's individuals or institutions may be skittish to even play in the space right now because they don't know the rules by which they're playing. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the top reasons we do an annual survey of institutional investors, but I imagine it's the same for retail that one of the top concerns is regulation. And so if that can get cleared up, I think you take away one of the big hurdles, especially for um, people who have to be really on their game when it comes to regulation in terms of fiduciary duty and everything else. It could be a great thing once we get past it. For sure. One of the cool things about this podcast and the fact that we have access to 5 million plus uh, subscribers within Morning Brews, we, we ask our subscribers about the topics that we're going to discuss on Fresh Invest. And of course, we had to ask them about crypto. And we asked our subscribers whether they're bearish or bullish about crypto specifically. And uh, as it turns out, probably not surprising at this moment, 75% uh, of the responses from our audience leaned bearish. But I would love to get your take on today at this very point in time, where you see crypto adoption and development heading in the next year or so. So less focused on like over the next week, but like from a macro perspective, the way the asset is developing, how do you feel about it? Obviously not surprising that you see those numbers and of course they're going to follow along with the price, right? 
But what's interesting is we track a lot of the chain fundamental type of data around this space. And if you took out anything that has to do with price, you would not believe we're in a bear market. For example, even though the dollar amount on exchanges is way down, that's just the product of the price being down. The number of coins, such as like the actual Bitcoin tokens being exchanged on a lot of exchanges is up. Uh, the number of Bitcoin addresses, they're a little off the high, but they've stabilized, they're trending up again. Hash rate, a measure of Bitcoin's computing power, the power behind the network and that's protecting it, all-time high. We've never seen an all-time high in hash rate with prices down so much, which tends to lead us to believe that these miners and, and people in the industry really believe in this, right? They're turning on more machines. They're facing tougher margins here. And then on the adoption and the building side, again, you wouldn't believe we're in a bear market. We've got potentially another record year in terms of venture capital money flowing into the space. Uh, more deals than ever continue to go on. And every day or every week, at least, I hear or read about some new product, some new infrastructure being built, some new piece that is necessary. We're up to maybe, it's hard to estimate, but around 200, 250 million Bitcoin users, just to take one example. Sounds like a lot, but then you realized that's about the number of people that were on the internet in the late 90s, 98, 99. I mean, we are still so early. We still need so much work in terms of the UI, the infrastructure, the wallets, the custody, all these things that make it work, just like all the things that had to come along with the internet. You know, they had to have the, the browsers and the email systems, and people had to understand how to use these things and get up to speed. It's all happening. It just takes time. It takes work. It takes money. It takes talent. But it's happening under the surface, despite the price being down and the people uh, I work with every day truly believe in this. And absolutely, I do as well. I think it's one of the greatest technical innovations we've ever seen. And it's one of the greatest economic and monetary innovations we've ever seen. And so I think this is just par for the course. We've been here before with bear markets and uh, we'll continue to keep building. Love it. Chris Kuyper, as always, thank you for joining Fresh Invest. And it's good to see you in the flesh versus uh, as a cartoon avatar in the metaverse. That's right. Uh, very surreal, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on board. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for tuning into Fresh Invest. I hope this episode has answered some of your lingering questions about what crypto's wider adoption means for your investing strategy. It's really easy to get caught up in the hype around popular asset classes and especially newer ones like crypto. So getting to the bottom of all of its intricate nuances and cutting through the regulatory jargon has been super insightful. And whether you're already investing in crypto or are thinking about doing so, gaining a better understanding of how crypto can impact your portfolio now, come tax season, and for the long haul will only make you a more confident investor. I hope you feel empowered by the strategies we touched on and feel more informed about the development of decentralized currencies as they get picked up by more institutions and adopted on a broader scale. Thanks again for joining us today and throughout season three of Fresh Invest. To see how much you learned this season, test your knowledge at podcast.freshinvest.site for the chance to win some cash. Lastly, make sure to tune into our final special video episode of Fresh Invest where we'll reflect on the biggest takeaways from this season and answer even more of your money questions about the themes covered this season. I'll see you then. Hey everyone, this is Alexandra Bass from Morning Brew. And as the producer of Fresh Invest, I'm here to let you know that this podcast was created on behalf of Fidelity Investments by the Morning Brew Creative Studio and does not reflect the opinions or point of view of the Morning Brew editorial team. 
Sources are provided for informational and reference purposes only. They are not an endorsement of Fidelity Investments or Fidelity Investments products. And on their side, Fidelity is the paid sponsor of this podcast, which includes providing Fidelity personnel for interviews and publications with Morning Brew Studios on content development. Fidelity and Morning Brew are independent entities. Information presented herein is for discussion and illustrative purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The views and opinions expressed by the speaker are his or her own as of the date of the recording and do not necessarily represent the views of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Any such views are subject to change at any time based on market or other conditions, and Fidelity disclaims any responsibility to update such views. These views should not be relied on as investment advice and, because investment decisions are based on numerous factors, may not be relied on as an indication of trading intent on behalf of any Fidelity product. Neither Fidelity nor the Fidelity speaker can be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered. Please consult your tax or financial advisor for additional information concerning your specific situation. This podcast is intended for U.S. persons only and is not a solicitation for any Fidelity product or service. This podcast is provided for your personal and non-commercial use and may contain copyrighted works of FMR LLC, which are protected by law. You may not reproduce this podcast in whole or in part in any form without the permission of FMR LLC. Fidelity and the Fidelity Investments and Pyramid Design Logo registered service marks of FMR LLC. Copyright 2022 FMR LLC. All rights reserved. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Digital assets are speculative and highly volatile, can become illiquid at any time, and are for investors with a high risk tolerance. Investors in digital assets could lose the entire value of their investment. Fidelity Digital Assets SM is a subsidiary of Fidelity Investments, dedicated to building products and services that help institutions adopt digital assets. Custody and trading of digital assets are provided by Fidelity Digital Asset Services, LLC, a New York State Chartered Limited Liability Trust Company. NMLS ID 1773897. Fidelity Digital Assets is a service mark of FMR LLC. Brokerage services and supportive securities trading are provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services LLC, FBS, and related custody services are provided by National Financial Services LLC, NFS, each a registered broker dealer and member NYSC and SIPC. Neither FBS nor NFS offer crypto nor provide trading or custody services for such assets. Fidelity Brokerage Services LLC, member NYSC, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917.